You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Match either we win or we learn, and today we learned. It's in field to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Bella. Onside, 1 0. Blue Bass shot. Oh my word. It's he ran around a bit like Bambi on ice. It was very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, and now, now. Your, host, your host, Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the now have been top of the table in the Premier League, Southampton Football Club, and all of the SFC fans, and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markson. I am the host of the show, and no matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it, and I hope that you enjoyed those few hours from Friday night to Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon, I don't, you know, time differences and things. Uh, when Saints did sit at the top of the Premier League table, we were unable to stop the count, but we will continue to seek all legal action that we can in an attempt to get that rectified. Uh, but really, I just hope you enjoyed the moment. I hope you have enjoyed the ride, uh, not just since last October, but over the past, I don't know, maybe the past four seasons since the time I've started this podcast, where we seem to have been tanking it, thinking that we will get the first pick in next year's draft if we just finish uh, just above the teams that get relegated, when really, that's not it. Uh, Ralph Hasenhutl has done a fantastic job to uh, right the ship. The players deserve credit. Everyone behind the scenes deserves credit. And everyone out there who supports the team deserves to enjoy this moment and enjoy the team that are in front of them. Because I don't have to probably tell you this. Everybody probably knows it won't last forever. And so, uh, you know, enjoy it while it's here and uh, let's celebrate the fact that, that we are there and that we are right now a team that other clubs will fear playing, uh, hopefully, uh, for the foreseeable future. But uh, joining me to discuss all of that this week is Freddie from The Ugly Inside. Uh, we're also going to talk about Movember. Uh, I'll let Freddie fill you in on all of that. But uh, he has been supporting Movember and raising money for Movember uh, to, to help with men's uh, health issues, and we'll talk about it in just a moment. Uh, for some time, uh, I have donated. You can donate too. The link is in the show notes. Uh, if you don't know who Freddie is, um, he's from the Ugly Inside. And if you don't know who the Ugly Inside is, uh, we'll stick around. We'll tell you all about it, and then you can go down in the show notes and click and find out all of the uh, the useful things they have there. But um, just want to say thanks for listening. This is episode 199, and I will talk to you on the other side. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Freddie. Uh, you will know his voice. Uh, I can see his face from the ugly inside, but um, a little different there with the mustache for Movember this month. Um, I'm trying to do it as well. I don't. I don't look as good as you do at this point. Um, but I guess are you are you using any any mustache wax on that thing? We are indeed, and uh, maybe uh, perhaps I give my, my our pal John a bit of a plug. He's got himself right. some mustache waxy kindly donated to, uh, to me sort of last year or so, and I'm still working my way through it. So uh, every year comes in handy. All right. Well, it looks good. looks good. Um, can I ask what the other half thinks of the mustache? Oh, she doesn't like it. Tickles her. Okay. All right. That's 
my wife's biggest concern is how we're going to take family pictures. And I said either in October or December or with this. And so that, that's what we're doing at this point. But um, anyway, I, I'm just glad you're here. Unfortunately, I waited too long to record and now Saints are not sitting at the top of the table. So I was originally going to call this episode View from the Top, uh, but I'm going to have to come up with a different episode title now because we are, are down still in the Champions League places. Obviously, it's way too early. Uh, for us to, to to consider that, but it was a it was a really good feeling to wake up on on Saturday morning for me uh, and see us at the top of the table, and um, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. But before we do that, let's talk about uh, Movember because uh, it's something that you've done for the past several years. And I'll be honest, I when I saw you doing it, I like to try to support you know people I consider friends doing things. So. Uh, I jumped in. My wife, like I said, not not that happy. But can you just tell us a little bit about Movember and and kind of the reason that you do it, and then uh, what the purpose of it is? Well, uh, Movember um, stands for um, tackling men's health. You know, in particular, prostate cancer, testicular cancer, uh, men's mental health, and suicide prevention. And I guess it's pretty, you know, important. You know, um, it's quite relevant to what we love with our sport. It's a very macho environment, so. You know, Movember really encourages men to sort of speak out about their issues, their health and that sort of thing. So just to give you a couple of facts, about 1.3 million men a year are dying from prostate cancer. One in eight in the UK will be diagnosed. So that's, you know, almost one and a half, I guess, of your sort of Sunday League 11 side side, you know. Uh, testicular cancer strikes young, typically with men aged 15 to 39, and that is more or less our audience. Yeah that listens and watches our videos and, and, and listens to our episodes. And mental health, you know, particularly uh, more important than ever with the sort of global pandemic. Uh, people have been isolated, men, you know, isolating away from their families and, and partners sometimes. And globally, on average, one man dies every minute by suicide. So uh, if, if we can at least, you know, get one person talking about their health uh you know or at least you know being more aware of their health then you know that's, that's a job done for me and you know we we grow sort of mustaches mose it may look funny in our face but you know cancer isn't funny um and, and that's the reason why we we, we, we grow mustaches and we try and raise awareness and raise a bit of money to save our bros yeah absolutely and you know, people ask you know what's going on with your face then you can it's a way to start talking about it and uh mm. and, and bring that in and i can just say you know I think our, our generation, I'm 35, uh, you're, you're a little younger than me. Um, well, at least a little bit. Um, uh, but my, my dad's generation doesn't talk about those things, at least in the U S they, they are, they were kind of raised to, to, you know, their, their dads were in the wars and, and their kind of thing was, you know, you just don't talk about not feeling well, you just get on with it. And mm -hmm. even now, as my dad is, is aging a bit, trying to get him to talk about things and, and just not sit there and with it, it's really hard. So uh, it is important to to kind of encourage that and hopefully change a little bit of the perception about talking about your health and, and uh, you know, at least to those people around you, those the people that are close to you, those people that, that want to listen. So uh, that I think that's super important. Um, and especially, as you said, heading into, into lockdown, which uh, I think now, as of last Thursday, we're Saints top of the, the first team to go top of the table, uh, new game week since lockdown kicked in. Um. I guess so. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that's, a, that's I'm not sure that's a trophy, but maybe Mourinho would claim it if it was. But uh, you're in lockdown now. What, what's so? What's changing for you versus maybe last Sunday? Uh, well, so obviously you can't go out to the pubs. You can't 
you know, so you make down the down the local. Uh, you cannot mix with other households, even in your private gardens. So, you know, we're back on Skype, we're back on Zoom, on video calls, uh, trying to keep in touch with others. Um, it's it's not quite um, as sort of uh, full uh, restrictions as it were in the summer, but uh, we can still go to essential stores and we can still meet with one person outside of the household in public parks. Okay. So, uh, you know, restrictions, but this is the life we're living right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so more cycling. Still going to work, and I guess more uh, more Zoom quizzes. I guess if if that's what you're into. Um, I think we're all sick to death of Zoom quizzes. <laughs> I know I know my students are that that's for sure. Um, they are tired of playing quizzes with me, uh, which is fine. Uh, anyway, um, I, I guess one off the field issue that we could talk about in terms of the Premier League is there's discussion to scrap uh, the pay per view. I think after this game week, so probably by the time people hear this, it'll it'll be done. I guess, but. Um, I guess for you, what's been your kind of, um, how, how have you seen this? How have you taken this? Has it been something where, you know, you can understand the logic behind it or you just think the price is wrong or have you, have you found ways around it? So the, I think firstly, the pricing was wrong. Um, you know, 1495, um, GBP if you like. And, you know, just for the ba- basic presentation, um, you know, I think the stream or the, or the, the program came online 10, 15 minutes before the kickoff, and it was just a voiceover, a couple of commentators. There was no studio coverage. There was no analysis. There was no sort of cutting away to um, all different uh, other, you know, pundits, that sort of thing. And it, you know, sort of cut off five minutes, 10 minutes straight after the uh, final whistle. So, you know, you're paying for a package, uh, which you're, I guess you're pretty much underwhelmed. You know, when you pay for the box office, you're watching these superstar, these main event fights. You've got, uh, I guess if we're comparing it to boxing, you know, you've got four or five undercard matches and then you've got the main event right at the end of the show. So that's a four or five hour, you know, program rather than sort of an hour and a half, two hour basic package. So I think if we look at from that point of view, people are upset, people are disappointed in that. Um, and I think, I think the original idea was that the, 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 the money generated from the box office would be, you know, uh, sort of trickled down into the lower divisions, into the football league. Um, I don't know how much of that is accurate. Um, and I think, um, I think it's too right that the, uh, the, the fans really kind of uh, boycotted most of it. And you've seen a lot of sort of fan bases, uh, you know, donating the money to local charities rather than paying for the box office. So I think this, this, the, the last game of the weekend, Arsenal v Aston Villa is going to be the last we'll see a box office this year. And um, I think they're going to go back on to other subscription services such as Prime and might be going back on terrestrial TV as well. So I think it's, I think it's a good move, but it was just, it was largely, um, I guess, uneducated and a really poor decision from the Premier League to go down the box office route. Yeah. It, it didn't seem like it fit with what was going on globally. I mean, you, you want to be sensitive to, you know, people's financial needs and things like that. And just to, to set it at that price and to say, you know, I mean, I, I do understand wanting the choice is: do we not allow people to see their teams? Do they play in front of nobody, or do we give them a chance? And I just think, like you said, the price was was not quite there. I think they could have done something to to do it. But of course, Sky and BT aren't out there to; they're not a charity, right? They're they're trying to make um, they're trying to make money. So it, it is a little bit uh, disappointing because that seems like what everything is built around at this point. Um, I, mean, I, I actually, um, I don't have a, a, an ordinary Sky Sports subscription, but I, I bought a, uh, a 24-hour pass uh, for the um, Newcastle game on Friday night. 
and I looked at the fixtures ahead, and I, and I managed, you know, we, they, they give you 24-hour access. So I, I bought the, the, the pass about half past seven in the, in the evening, and that was activated now for 24 hours. So I managed to see the Chelsea game as part of that subscription, as part of that pass as well. So I managed to get two games for the price of what was £9.99. You know, had the box office been available for you know, a host of other games, then I don't think you'd get too many complaints. But uh, it, the, the whole structure of the box office was, was completely wrong. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, hopefully now more people will be able to, uh, I don't know, to enjoy the game somehow. And I know a lot of people, I mean, the, there are video feeds out there because I'm still watching the games under the same, for the same price that I paid, uh, you know, every season, uh, they've switched services. My only complaint is that, uh, they don't have a, a fire stick, uh, or fire TV app. So you have to go kind of, um, doing some other things, but I mean, that's a small complaint. I still can watch and, um, you know, saints, saints were top of the league and I got to see that. So I, I, I can't really complain. I guess I just hope whatever solution they come up with now will be better suited and, and more thoughtful of the fans who are who would normally be in the stadium because you are a season ticket holder. You will normally be in the stadium um, seeing the team each and every week. And right now it's way easier for me as a fan sitting, uh, you know, an entire ocean and continent away um, to watch versus for, for you. And, and it's just not doesn't seem fair. And life isn't always fair. Um, ask Mr. Trump, I guess. But um, the. Uh, it's just it is what it is i shouldn't say that i apologize but uh, i'm not i'm not going to edit that out because uh, it's really what i feel um <laughs> so anyway and, and i do want to ask you because you've been supporting saints uh for much longer than i have you've been involved with um you know developing and making content with the ugly inside for for longer than i've been doing this podcast and you know saints were at one point on top of the table um when it was the old first division i believe 1988 um, and this is, this is the first time they've ever been on top of the, of the premier league table. And I guess for you, I mean, was, was it a special moment? How special was it for you just to, to watch us win and, and go top and, and, or because it's only game week eight that it, you know, we just got to kind of calm down. What's, what was your kind of feeling on, on Friday evening? No, I think, you know, it, it was a special moment and I think we should allow ourselves to get carried away because these things rarely happen. Um, we never, you know, came close to being top, even under sort of Ronald Koeman, under that terrific season. Um, and I guess no other managers have been that close ever before in the Premier League era. Um, you know, you've got a generation of fans that remember the last time since we're top of the uh, top of the, the first division. And, and it's really a, a nice experience for, for everybody. And everybody's pictured the uh, or screenshotted the, the, the table um, on Friday night. So that's great, great in the memories. It's unfortunate that fans couldn't be in there. But I do agree to some extent that Ralph, you know, said that, that without fans in attendance is a positive. Um, and I think the players are playing with undue pressure on their backs, you know, from the fans. And, yeah, quite frankly, being at St. Mary's last season, even before lockdown, it was a little toxic. You know, sort of one way we're past, people would be straight on them, uh, criticising the players. So... I think it's great that the, the team are doing well and it's fantastic, but it is unfortunate that we couldn't witness it in person on Friday night. I guess, do you, do you think maybe the break, the, the enforced break from being there in person when we show back up at St. Mary's, that that will change, that the, the mood will change because 
we'll be happy to be back there. And also the team, let's be honest, playing much, much better than they were at that point. I think there's a buoyancy now within the fan base. Um, you know, I guess we, we, we sort of go into games without fearing the opposition. And I think we are, you know, heading into the games uh, with a genuine chance of, you know, claiming a victory. I think we've taken a couple of scalps over the last six months, you know, beating Man City at home. I mean, this season, uh, you know, a draw away from home at Chelsea, some fantastic football, a great, uh, you know, advertisement for Southampton Football Club. And, you know, the players are, are genuinely buying into Ralph and it's, it's great that the, the team are performing so well. And, and I think, you know, long may it continue and hopefully we will be, we will be back at some point in this season to, to witness it. And, you know, hopefully that we, we can we can see some home wins and we can experience ourselves into the into the higher echelons. Yeah, yeah. Um, to be honest, last week uh, after the Aston Villa match, I was quite upset um, because I was disappointed with the way we had finished the match because I thought that the week before against Everton, we had done everything kind of perfectly. I thought that was uh, one of the most complete performances I had seen from Saints in terms of, of scoring the goals and then managing the game and, and then playing with uh, 11 v 10, just making Everton chase the ball, which I thought was fantastic. Um, you know, we were constantly reminded of, uh, you know, playing on a Friday night when we were coming into this, this uh, Newcastle match. And I think a lot of us were, you know, everybody was saying, oh, Saints could go top of the table. Saints could go top of the table. And, and then we were all kind of saying, but, but, you know, we won't get carried away because, you know, this, this surely means that Saints are going to blow it. And, and I think that pessimism is, is, is across football. I think it's just a way to kind of shield yourself and, 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 and do that. And I think I'll, we all probably do that personally as well. Um, but I think from uh, outside, maybe the first five minutes, I, I thought that Southampton were basically the best team on the pitch far and away uh, on Friday. But let's talk about the team that Ralph put out there uh, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. Um, obviously, there were injuries to, to Ings and Bertrand that, that came from that, uh, that Aston Villa match. There were some tackles that went in. The Ings the kind of swing of emotions from, from that match for me, uh, when Ings went down, I was, I was unhappy. Obviously I was, I was worried because he has been the talisman for, for us for so long. And then it came out that the initial scans were better than expected. And then it came out that he's got to have surgery. He's going to miss four to six weeks. And I think it was hard for, for a lot of people initially to say that is the better than expected. I think, you know, that's still not bad given his, re, his not his recent history, but his, his injury history. Uh, he didn't tear an ACL. It's a meniscus. And four to six weeks is a long time, but there's an international break in there. And it puts him right on the cusp of coming back uh, before the busy period, which you wonder how much of a role he'll play in it. But, um, you know, that that hurts. Probably the, the what I thought was going to hurt us more was was the Bertrand injury, because who's going to play at left back if, if, if Jake Vokens isn't there? Um, but given that and, and knowing who was injured and things like that, what did you make of Ralph's selection and, and chose not to change the formation, chose to stay with the, you know, play, play one player out of position. So play Jack Stevens at left back versus Kyle Walker Peters at left back. And, and what did you make of all of that? How did, how did, how did you feel about that? Uh, Jack Stevens, I think his selection at left back was a little, a little left field. Um, that was a little bit out of the blue. I think perhaps you might've seen, um, Perhaps Wal Prowse, he's, he's played their left left back, but I think he's better suited in the middle of midfield. And I think uh, perhaps Ralph's hand was forced to move Jack Stevens at left back. Um, I don't think we, we haven't got any kind of natural left sided uh, defensive uh, players, I guess, left to, to fill that void. And Bokens, I hear, is a little injured himself. And 
which is unfortunate because I think he probably would have been given a chance and he's probably the next man off the conveyor belt to get a run in the team. Uh, so Jack Stevens, I've got to give him a bit of credit here. Yeah, I think he, he, he done, he's done his duty well. Uh, I, I don't think he put too much of a foot wrong and he's had his critics, to be fair, over the last sort of three or four seasons, not just last. Um, and, and I guess I think the, the question was of who was going to, um, you know, um, accompany uh, Che Adams up front. And, you know, if you look back at Che Adams last season, he wasn't, he was in and out of the team. He couldn't hit the ground, you know, he couldn't hit the barn door with the uh, proverbial banjo, you know, or the, the whatever, um, or the, the cow's backside with the proverbial banjo. Um, so Che Adams, he's in a great reign of form. Um, and Theo Walcott, you know, he managed to take up that position pretty well. And he was at the heart of everything. So, you know, Walcott coming back after his ineligibility against um, Everton. Um, so I think he played a terrific part uh, at Walcott. And I think he's, he's been a fantastic acquisition. Yeah, um, I, I guess that was kind of one of those things where who, who's going to go with him up top? And to watch him come in, he seemed, of all the partnerships that had to develop on, on Friday night, um, I think that one worked the best. Walcott seemed to come in and understand his role right away. Um, and, and played very well through the middle. I, I think my, my thought process through it was I thought that it would either be Redmond or Walcott. I think I preferred Walcott to play in the middle, um, mostly because I want to keep the guys who have been playing in position, in those positions as much as possible. I didn't want them to go. Um, I, I think the more players you get out of position, the worse it is. So if you play Ward Prowse at left back, that means Diallo's got to come in and form a par- partnership with Romeo. Um, if you if you play Walcott on the left, he's only played there once. Depending on who the left back is, there's there's that, uh, and I think we saw that early on with the, uh, you know, we we the, Newcastle were coming down that that uh, our left hand side, uh, Stevens and, and Janapo were not they couldn't quite figure it out there for a little bit. Um, in the end, they got it done, but uh, Walcott I thought came in and just played magnificently well uh, through the middle. Mm-hmm. I was a little surprised though that Redmond wasn't in there uh, with Janapo starting. Is that uh, I mean. Talked about consistency. Ralph Ralph's mentioned it, um, sending a message to to Redmond, I think, as well. Yeah, I think Redmond, um, his form has, has dipped off a little bit. Um, again, you know, he's had his critics over the last sort of four seasons or so, and he's come back. He's provided an important figure in the team when he's come back stronger. So I do expect him to return to a rich reign of form later on this season. And I think you know we've got plenty of options in those wide positions on right and left midfield. You know, Redmond, Gineppo, Walcott. Uh, out on the other side, we we even play sort of Shane Long. Um, so we've got plenty of options, and and I think Redmond, you know, needs a bit of a an arm round. I think at the moment, perhaps needs to get his head down, work a bit harder on the training field. And there's no doubt that I, I will see him back in the first eleven in the next coming weeks. Yeah, yeah, I think he'll 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 fight for that spot. My my biggest complaint about Janepo is that he just seems to be um, one. He's unpredictable. Uh, so yeah, if there was one thing that Jack Stevens did, he was constantly there for Vestigar to pass the ball out, out to him, but he didn't take that space. Uh, so often we would see Bertrand run into that space and force a defender to commit that opens up passing lanes to, for Walcott or for, uh, or whoever's playing on the left or whoever's playing, you know, whether it's Ings or, or Adams. Um, and, and he didn't do that. He would often take one step forward and turn almost like he was playing as a third center back and just pass it back to Vestergaard. Um, and that's okay. So he was consistently there for that. Uh, Janepo was a wild card, I think. Um, and then also he just seems to be made, uh, uh, of glass. It seems like he dives in for a tackle, gets up holding his growing, 
um, you know, goes down. It's just like, uh, what are we doing? And, and I think somebody tweeted like, you know, Janepo is now limping. And I just like, it was like, I fixed it. Like Janepo was always limping. Like he's, he's constantly injured. Um, and I shouldn't make fun of him for that. Uh, and I, I don't mean to, but that is my worry with him is, is how consistent he will be able to be in the team. So, uh, when Redmond came on, I'll be honest, I didn't really notice him all that much. Um, I, I and that's, that maybe it is a criticism of, of him because we need him to do better if he wants to, to earn that spot back. But, uh, overall I thought, I thought the, the choices by Ralph were brave. Uh, I thought they turned out to be the right decision and, uh, I'm pretty happy with, with, with all of that. Yeah, I think we've got a lot of um, utility now across all of the um, options in, in on the field. Um, and I think, you know, the players know their duty, that they know their role. And um, I think that's that's why we've been so successful uh, this season and, you know, the tail end of last season, that everybody's buying into the system. They're working for each other. Their work rate all together as a team is second to none. Um, you know, Ralph has been nominated for the Premier League Manager Month now mm-hmm. uh, for this month, and you know, he, I think he won it in the month of July, the first man ever to win it in July. <laughs> um, so, I think we've got options. We've got, I think we've got nothing to fear. We've got plenty of options uh, across across the field, and uh, we've got plenty of youngsters that are hungry to come in to take their job opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, just looking at some of the the stats from this. Jack Stevens carried the ball as far as Yannick Vestergaard um, during during that match, but he had a lot more touches. Uh, he was on the ball a lot, and and I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm not going to criticize his play at all. He he did he did well for playing out of position, um, you know. And the only thing I think we could have seen, I mean, we did it to to Danzo, right? We made him we forced him to play left back. Uh, so I was like, just don't don't do it to Salisu. You know, he's ours permanently. We can't scar him and send him back. That's not uh, we can't send back the damaged goods if we if we ruin him this early. So. Uh, I'm glad we kind of didn't do that. Um, well, let's talk about uh, the goals, obviously, because the, like I said, maybe the first five minutes or, or four minutes, it seemed like Newcastle were kind of in our half. We just couldn't seem to get the ball clear out of our out of our left uh, left back area. But as soon as we went forward, Che Adams manages to to take a touch, turn and shoot, force a save. And um, what you saw from the team, I think, was something that Ralph has instituted from the very beginning, which is don't give up. The play is not over. And the pressing from Kyle Walker-Peters and from uh, Theo Walcott to, to win it back and, and create another goal-scoring opportunity, I thought was, uh, w- was beautiful. And I think that just, that just goes to show like Walcott understood kind of what his role was. And he, he didn't try to play like Danny Ings, but in a, in a sense he did because he was there to, to, he didn't stop. Right. And I think that's, that's so important for our team to, to do it because you just, if you can feel that, that Newcastle are at all, um, kind of not paying attention or off it just a little bit. You have to punish them for those mistakes, and early on we did. And I think that that set the team up for 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 um, the rest of the, the rest of the match. But what did you make of, of of the finish? I guess from from Adams and then the the work to get it there in the first place. Uh, well, let's let's just rewind a step. Actually, I think there's three phases that I've highlighted. Um, in fact, before Che Adams even managed to get the shot away, um, he and Walker are, are hustling. You know, Lascelles in that corner. He, he, they force him into a mistake. So that's phase one, if you like. Yep. Uh, and then sort of Adams, uh, you know, gets gets hold of the ball, manages to get the shot away, but makes um, a save from, from Darlow. And then on the other side, you've got Walker Peters and Walker hustling. You know, Almiron into a mistake. You know, they steal the ball away from him. Walker fires the ball across. And it's not an easy technique that, you know, the ball is sort of just a little bit off the floor. Adams just fiercely, you know, hits it on the volley, uh, generates too much power for Dollar to even sort of 
contemplate thinking it just fired straight through his hand sort of thing. And and uh, Shea Adams, you know, his, his, his attitude has been transformed the last uh, 12 months. You know, he's playing with his head held high now. And, and I think it's no less than he deserves that he's nominated the player of the month this year, his third goal in four games. It's a stark contrast to his confidence last season where he couldn't even buy a goal until sort of lockdown. So, you know, the work rate high up the pitch, it's relentless. And, you know, Saints are forcing mistakes and that's how they're leading to goals. And I think that was kind of the theme of the game, really. I mean, it, without sort of fast forwarding too much into the second half, but that was how Saints got most of their chances by forcing Newcastle into mistakes. And I guess to some respect as well, you know, the, the previous games in Everton, Aston Villa, they're pressing in the final third and, uh, you know, they're putting defenders under pressure. And this is what Southampton offer now, you know, they're dangerous in that final third, relentless pressing, and that's what they should be aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would say that there were only a couple of instances where Newcastle managed to beat the press. There was no John Joe Shelby, um, who I think that was a, a big miss for them. I, I, do, I did worry about the pace uh, that was in that Newcastle side, uh, especially looking at our center backs. You know, Vestergaard and, and Bednarak are not blessed with pace. Uh, it's always, it's always going to be a concern. But um, I, I want to say there were only two or three times where um, Alan say Maxim was able to, uh, to kind of drop kind of between the lines and, and pick up the ball in Newcastle we were able to, to to beat the press and he was able to turn and run and and I thought for the most part uh, we dealt with him well I think a, a couple of times we brought him down uh, a couple of times I think once or twice McCarthy had to make a save but nothing I don't think it was I don't think we were ever really threatened all that all that much I think well the only opportunities really came from the um, uh, headers that was a there was a tame header in the sort of first half straight down uh, McCarthy's throat and then for credit to McCarthy, actually, you know, largely unchallenged uh, for most of the evening. And he, uh, you know, pulls out a spectacular save with about five minutes left to play. A strong uh, header from Joel Linnington, kind of athletic save to tip it over the bar. And, you know, you've got to give credit to Alex McCarthy, keeping his uh, his, his concentration throughout the 90 minutes. And, and I think, you know, Saints learned from their mistakes from last season. That was the final game before lockdown and St. Maximan, you know, stealing the victory. And, you know, they had Callum Wilson in the team as well, who scored plenty of goals with Bournemouth against Saints down at St. Mary's as well. So I think he wanted something to prove and we kept them all quiet, which is a, a great credit to the, the way that Ralph set the team up. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I was really impressed with, with basically the, the performance of the entire team. And, and I think we can see, as, as you mentioned, the, the last game before lockdown last year, you can see the change in the team since then. You can see the, the growth um, it's largely the same group of players. Um, Walcott, I think, being the only new player that that was that was in there from the start, and you can just see how how much the team has progressed and how ready they are to to force teams into mistakes and then to be able to capitalize on, which I think is sometimes what we we failed to do last season, and and then just kind of not lose not lose their heads, be able just to keep that game plan going. Um, you know, I missed part of the game because I was at work the Friday games in the middle of the day or, or in the middle of the day for me uh, it's never my my favorite so I saw the first 20 minutes and then I didn't pick it up until about the 60th minute so I did come home and and watch the replay afterwards but I, I was uh I was a bit distracted during the the rest of, of of the lesson I was supposed to be delivering via zoom um but anyway that's that's kind of the way it goes um just in case those people who were playing or, or maybe didn't get their bingo cards filled out. Romeo got booked in the 28th minute. They mentioned the Leicester city score. And I think in the 76th or 77th minute, um, 
but uh, I, I did also think that Ward Prowse and and Romeu, they they recognized that that Stevens was going to be under a little bit of pressure and left back uh, left back, and the cover there was great for him. Ward Prowse several times was coming back and making tackles, uh, and I thought the game plan from Ralph and, and the execution by the guys was once again just just phenomenal, and and I think they deserve a, a lot of credit for that because it's it must it must really suck to just have to run that hard for that long. Um, cause I'm sure when you play five aside at some point, you just kind of stop, stop running. Cause you're like, I'm tired and they don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's nice that they, uh, they keep that up. You know, I think Walt Price and Romeo have learned a lot from each other over the last, um, you know, this season, in fact, we've seen Walt Price put some more defensive duties in becoming a fierce tackler, you know, being fearless in midfield. We've seen Romeo get forward into the final third, you know, a fantastic volley. Um, earlier on this season, mm-hmm. you know, getting forward again during this game uh, was another mistake that led to another chance or maybe striking it from the edge of the box. A fantastic sort of glancing finger uh, from Darlow to tip it over the bar, mm-hmm. uh, even off the bar, in fact. So we've seen Romero get forward and we've seen Warpers get go backwards. So, you know, I think they've learned a lot from each other and, and uh, perhaps they learned a little bit under Freeberg last season, who was a little bit of a leader. But now that Ward Prowse carries the armband, I think he offers a hell of a lot more than sort of, as the pundits say, as a set-piece specialist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe if they keep saying that, then they'll stop linking him with other, other teams. Because uh, nobody just needs a set-piece specialist in the Premier League. That's not what anybody needs, um, even though he does offer a lot more than that. Um, I do want to talk about one kind of, uh, a couple of things. One, uh, Kyle Walker-Peters moving down the right-hand side was, was far more advanced than, than Jack Stevens for the majority of the game. But he didn't get as many. We didn't deliver him the ball fast enough sometimes, and and oftentimes his runs were kind of they they just went without even having the ball sprayed out there, which I would have liked to see a little bit more. But what like we said, it, it winds up working out, so I'm not going to complain too much. There was a time when um, Janapo kind of wound up very centrally and managed to kind of. I don't know exactly know how he did it, but uh, do you know the instance I'm talking about where the ball came into him from the right-hand side uh, and then it was kind of played through, I think through the defender's legs, kind of back heel almost to, to Walcott. Um, just, I think that's the unpredictability that, that, that he brings and it was, uh, it was beautiful. I, I don't know. I don't mm. know, really know how, I, what, what did you make of that and, and did that get you out of your seat? Because I didn't see that because I wasn't watching at that point because of, uh, you know, work. <laughs> Yeah, well, I think Gineppo has been given the freedom to, to you know, get across all the positions on the field. And to quote your sort of notes, it was absolute source from Gineppo <laughs> through the legs of the defender. But, you know, audacious flick from Gineppo. And he can come up with this. This is a bit of a, an a, enigma. You know, he can go, sometimes go missing. Him, but, but when he does appear, he comes up with a bit of a masterstroke, a little bit of flair here and there, a little fancy flick over the defender's through the defender's leg and you know he can stroke it home quite quite calmly too he's had a goal this season a couple of goals last season but those are the sorts of things that uh Gineppo brings to the team um perhaps something that Redmond or Walker uh don't bring to the team and Armstrong to some extent and we'll get to his goal later on uh Gineppo could just pull these things out of a magic hat I think the in addition to that the the passing and the movement that Saints uh showed from that were were great I, I do have written down here um, that our buildup play seemed to be, you know, I, I'd give it a 10 out of 10 on the day. Um, but the final ball, there were several instances where passes needed a little bit more on them. Um, you know, we, we left our guys' chances to get injured. Walcott seemed to get beat up quite a bit. Um, and it just seemed like had we played the ball, uh, you know, a half second earlier or with a little bit more pace or 
that we would have we should have put this game away not just two nothing but you know maybe four or five nothing um not to be greedy uh you know xg shows we still outperformed ourselves even uh from from what we managed to do but um i think it shows that we are growing there obviously we're still missing things but if you watch teams even like like manchester city or liverpool there are a lot of times where that final ball doesn't quite get there but because they create so many opportunities you just know that eventually you're going to get that right and, and it's going to be okay um but let's talk about the Armstrong goal um, that you, you want to walk me through because it seemed like, you know, we scored early and then we scored late. We kind of dominated the game in the middle, I think. Um, but, but that goal, I was, I, I think he had just kind of either maybe misplayed a pass before that. Uh, and we actually have a question about, about Armstrong. So just why don't you walk me through the goal and tell me uh, exactly kind of how you, how you remember that kind of happening. Um, I guess just to, to add to the tail end of the last comment um, about that final ball, Armstrong played a final ball through to Walker. It was a little short, uh, and we had a claim for a penalty. Um, but, it, I mean, Theo was quite um, honest in his post-match interview. He said it's one of those. It's sort of 50-50. And, on, you know, in real time, it looked like a penalty. It looked a pretty uh, a strong claim, in my opinion. Uh, but on the replays, it showed that the cells got the first touch. But it is a dangerous tackle. You know, you say Walcott got pretty beat up. He, he came out in the second half wearing a, uh, a wrist strap to protect his hand, um, where he kind of collided with Shah, I think, it were in the first half. So Walcott, you know, flying, flying into these sort of 50-50 challenges, and he's, he's worked well for the team. He's, he's a ready-made, um, you know, member of the side, and I guess we can get to him a little later on. Uh, Stuart Armstrong's goal, again, this is, this is another opportunity where Saints have dispossessed the opposition in the final third of the pitch. I think it's long-staffed in this, in this uh, occasion, dithering on the edge of their, on the edge of their penalty box. Uh, Armstrong steals it off uh, away from his feet. And it's, it's, it's really good movement from Armstrong here. He's got really nowhere to move, and he's in this little shimmy, quick feet, finds himself an extra yard of space between the defenders and hits it hard and low with his left foot. 2-0, the game's over. And as you say, it should have been more, but 2-0 will absolutely take that to the top of the league. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I thought the, the, the play from Armstrong was going to, once again, punishing teams for, uh, for, for making mistakes. And it almost looked like the, I think it was Longstaff, who went to go kick the ball and then didn't. Like, it was like he kicked the ground almost. And uh, mm-hmm. I think we've all been there, uh, but that doesn't feel good. Luckily, there was nobody, uh, there was nobody, <laughs> there was nobody in the stadium to let him know all about it. So we all just took to Twitter and let them know that way. Um, and, and I think it was, it was uh, no more than we deserved, really. I think that that, get, that, got, that the goal put the game to bed. It was a dominant display. You know, we are deserved winners on mm-hmm. Friday night. You know, we moved the ball well, held the ball well, knew what to do, controlled the tempo, and it was a magnificent display, really. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 almost no complaints other than, you know, maybe make it more, score more goals. But that's just, I think, what fans want to see anyway, is just keep scoring. Uh, and, and we'll keep enjoying it. Um, but like you said, no complaints. And even when it was only a goal up, we were still pretty comfortable um, and we were clearly the better team. And Newcastle fans are going to be upset. Um, and, you know, the Heinet Derby went the way we would have wanted it for once because it wasn't always that way. Uh, it seems like recently Newcastle have been a team that, um, I know we lost 3-0 up there. I don't know if it was last season, the season before. Um, you know, not, not a lot of, uh, of memories, uh, good memories from playing Newcastle, I don't think, over, over recent times. So um, pretty happy to do that. And then, t- like you said, to have it go um, top of the table as a result, I think, 
was uh, was was super important. But well, Ralph Ralph actually hasn't beaten Newcastle in the time that he's been our manager, so it's taken him sort of five attempts to do so, and they've they've you know been been pretty dominant a few on a few occasions. Um, and and I think what what probably stands out uh, with this performance over the others that we are fearless. You know, our work rate was second to none, pushing you know defenders into mistakes high up the field, and I think I've got a highlight here. Fear Walcott was at the heart of everything. You know, getting into wide positions, uh, playing the right amount of passes at the right pace, um, you know, strong, quick on the ball, um, you know, through the channels, through the lines. And, you know, Walcott, I think he, he appears to be a bit of a masterstroke, uh, a bit of an acquisition. You know, uh, he's, I think, at 31, he's not too old, probably got a few more good years in him. Um, but he provides that sort of attacking potency for Saints. So utility, you know, experience, um, and I guess that's invaluable for some of the younger members of the team. Um, perhaps a chap that I didn't highlight earlier, but Nathan Teller, who's also coming for the ranks of wide midfielder. And, and I think Theo Walcott, um, uh, did he pick up the man of the match against Newcastle? But he's a ready-made, replace, a ready-made player for Ralph's system. You know, typically, new signings, they take a while to adjust the pace, the team, the tactics. But he's hit the ground running, and I think he's going to be an important member of the team throughout the season. I think it highlights kind of what it means when you bring a, you know, an established professional in and with the right mm-hmm. mindset. There, there is a mindset that, that has to be there because you could bring some people in and they just say like, you know, I've accomplished a lot of things. I don't have to work this hard and that's never going to work for Ralph's system. Um, you can bring in a new player and it's going to take him time to adjust to the league, to the team, to the system, all this stuff. And, and Walcott, as you said, just seems to have hit the ground and said like, I'm here, let's go. And, and has taken to it. I was really... You know, because we haven't seen new players, uh, players new to the squad, introduced into the starting eleven really as as quickly as we've seen Walcott uh, have it, and I think he's he's just played uh, extremely well and and has been great. And we'll have to see. Um, I, I wasn't initially all that happy with the with, with the, the signing. I, I you know he was before my time as a fan, so the nostalgia is not quite there. Um, and I was you know let's see what the you know let's let's keep bringing through the younger players, but. Uh, at some point, you have to have maybe some of that leadership and, and guys like Janapo and Redmond maybe can learn a little bit uh, from him, even if those things are different, uh, the things they need to learn from him. I think uh, he's there to kind of impart that wisdom and show them because he can still do it, obviously, as, as we saw. Um, yeah, so I, I'm super impressed with, with uh, really everybody's play. We have a couple of questions uh, and some of them deal with players. And some of them just deal with, with other things. So uh, patrons always have priority for having their questions answered on the show each week. Uh, if you want to become a patron, realize this is probably not the best time. So don't feel uh, any obligation to do that. But you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. Um, you get access to a private chat. Uh, you get priority for having your questions answered. And the $5 a month patrons get an extra podcast episode a month. But once again, no pressure. Uh, take care of yourselves and, and uh, your family. More more important than that. But let's let's start with this um, from Chillin VB on Instagram. Says uh, we'll take the result for sure. Still a lot of things I wish we could do better. I think we talked about some of those. Do you think the goal from Stu overshadows a poor performance by him? He seemed a little off, maybe a step slower than and, and below average for him. Um, goes on to say Romeo has been top form, does all the usual things. Love to see this season stats for ball recoveries, but. Um, according to, to, to who scored and, and I'll be honest, I, I thought there were, there were a couple of passes that Armstrong could have done a little better with. Um, but I did think he was popping up in a lot of good places. Uh, I think he winds up getting, uh, the who scored man of the match, which doesn't, you know, there's no trophy for that. 
um, but just means he has the highest rating according to them. But what did you make of, of his performance? And, and maybe does the goal give us maybe a, an unfair kind of rating for him? Maybe we're, gonna, we're willing to forgive a little bit more uh, based, on, based on that. I think Stuart Armstrong um, offers us industry. You know, his, his work sometimes goes unnoticed, but without him in the team, we, we, we can certainly see the difference. So I think Armstrong is certainly a different type of player to Gineppo, to Redmond, to, you know, like Nathan Teller, who, who, who all have pace, who all have a bit of trickery in them. Uh, Stuart Armstrong, I guess, is, is now your sort of modern day Stephen Davis. You know, a lot of his work went unnoticed, unsung. And I think it's a bit unfair criticism there from, from, our, from our Patreon. Um, I think Stuart Armstrong was, was, was pretty magnificent. Uh, against Newcastle, you know, find although his balls didn't quite find the uh, the, the, the final pass, uh, but I think he got himself into good positions, really asking questions from the from the defenders, and uh, I, I think it's good for him to be back in the team too. You know, he sat out a couple of weeks uh, due to a positive COVID test, and it's been difficult for him. Uh, so he's got his head down. He works hard for the team, and I think. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, he, perhaps he, he, re, he retains his place over the likes of Nathan Redmond, who, uh, who is a little bit struggling at the moment. So we might see a reshuffle against Wolves in a couple of weeks, but um, as long as Stuart Armstrong stays fit and as long as he comes back fit from international duty, he, he will be an important member of the team. Yeah. Um, I, like you said, I, I sometimes struggle to kind of realize how, how much work he puts in. And I think we have so many players on the team who do offer that. But then you also have the kind of wild card of Janepo. And not that he doesn't put the work in, but um, Armstrong seems to just have that motor that keeps going similar to James Ward-Prowse where they just keep running. Um, and I think going back to the international duty and injury, um, he hasn't come back healthy from Scotland uh, at all this this year. Um, now we go into an international break again, so we'll have to see what happens there. Um, but I, I thought, I don't know, I didn't really notice him doing anything wrong i thought maybe a, like you said a couple of the passes could have been a little bit a little bit cleaner uh you know maybe could have could have opened us up a little bit more and sometimes towards the end of a match you see attacking players get slightly more selfish you feel like the game is you're 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 going to win the match and now it's time to pad your stats so maybe that's what it is but you know as long as we keep creating those chances and and, and then if you look at the way that he um kind of fashioned that chance at the end by by being there to press uh, if you're doing that that late in the game after running all game, uh, I'm not going to really be able to criticize you all that much. Um, but let's take uh, a couple of questions from from the patrons now. Um, so uh, Millard505 says, um, based on the excitement of reaching the summit, which uh, you know we're still we're still up there. It's still it's still snowy where we are. We're not we're not below the snow line yet. Uh, but what what should our ex- expectations be for the season? Has this has this shifted your expectations or, you know, or if we finish 10th after being at the top, are you still going to be uh, a little bit disappointed now? Well, I think our expectations should be to push on from where we finished last season. We, we finished remarkably strongly uh, at, the, at the tail end of last season. As I mentioned before, you know, Ralph picked up the manager mark and it's no more than, than he deserved. And I think had it not been for our sort of poor uh, mid-season um, and winter period, I think we, we could have easily hit top 10. And I think that should be the target this season, a top 10 finish. And I think um, that's a realistic target, which Martin Simmons had, um, you know, honestly uh, enclosed to some media interviews recently that, you know, we, we should be looking for a top 10 finish. And, you know, we'll see where we are after Christmas after the uh, demanding fixture list and the, and the schedule. So I think 
we will have a season target and a mid-season target. If we are, if we're in the top ten in, um, you know, after Christmas and the New Year, then why not? Why can't we push on for a European place? And I think we'd love that as fans. You know, we'd love to be back in Europe. We all loved it in the brief period that we were there a couple of years ago. And hopefully, you know, perhaps guys start saving your money now. We could be in Europe next season. We'll be back in the stadiums. Yeah, especially now that you don't have to pay fourteen ninety five to watch the matches. Uh, you know, that'll that'll go some way towards towards. I still have credit for uh, we were supposed to have a the Saints meetup in Chicago, uh, and then COVID had to cancel that. So they said they'll give me a year of credit, uh, and I'm slightly worried that I'm not going to be able to use that within the year. Um, but uh, secretly, I'm saving it to go to go over to see the team actually play because uh, that's yeah. always nice. But we'll we'll have to see how that all works out. Um, but yeah, we'll 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 get to that. Uh, we'll deal with that as it as it shows up, I guess, because right now we got we got better things to think about than uh, when COVID will end. Um, so Tim Bizantz asks, you know, based based on basically just how tight the table is, uh, do you think? How do you, I guess how do you think the players are going to react to this? Do you think they're going to 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 look at this and, and kind of take their foot off the gas, or do you think they will continue to push forward with performances like we saw and? Um, was uh, Colt Baker kind of asked a, a similar question. I think we can answer at the same time. It says, um, we, we talked about the lineup already, but do you think we can manage this form until we get our first team regulars like, like Bertrand and Ings back? Or do you think that guys like Stevens are going to struggle uh, in this role when it's, it's not the first time they're doing it, that maybe they take their foot off the gas a little bit? So um, Ralph admitted in the post-match interview that the, 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 teams, the team should you know, retain their hunger to, to push on. And I think that's what the objective should be for the team, you know, to remain hungry, to remain relentless and, you know, stick to the game plan. Um, I think if we touch on sort of um, uh, Jack Stevens and the, the omissions of Bertrand and Ings, obviously Bertrand and Ings are going to be uh, hugely missed. They're important members of the squad. Uh, Bertrand offers experience. He offers that attacking potency on the left-hand side, a great dynamic within um, Redmond when they play together. And Ings, of course, you know, um, well, what isn't, there, what isn't there to say about Danny Ings? scored most of our goals, on the, I think it was about 34% of our goals last season. Um, had it not been for Danny Ings last season, we would just about have uh, survived the Premier League. So, but it's different this season. You know, we've seen Shea Adams now finally hit the ground. He's, he's chipping in the goals. I think Phil Walcott's going to finally hit the back of the net. He's already provided two assists. He's setting up his teammates. So he's providing a... Uh, an outlet for the team too. So I think the team needs to remain hungry. They need to keep their head on. And, uh, you know, whilst, uh, whilst we've been at the top, it may give us a bit of taste of these sort of things. So I think the likes of Bertrand and Walcott, who have won trophies and have been at the top of the summit with other clubs in Chelsea and Arsenal, they should be saying to the team, and look, and even Danny Ings to some extent, he's played Champions League football in Liverpool over the years. They've got the experience to pass that on to the rest of the team. So if they can do that and if they can still, you know, um, uh, retain the instructions from Ralph, and I think there's, there's no reason why we shouldn't be pushing on for the rest of the season. Yeah, I think, I think there's the, the belief should stay. Um, I don't think, I don't think my expectations are going to go that we, we should stay that high in the table. I'm trying to enjoy this. And I want to believe that we can, that we are improving to the point where we can cause a lot of teams, a lot of problems and where they are going to have to, um, adjust to play, to play against our system. Whereas I think for a long time it was, especially under, under 
Pellegrino and under Hughes, we were making adjustments every week trying to cope with what other teams were going to do. And I think now we have a system in place to the point where we're going to continue to play our game and force other teams to adapt. And sometimes if teams don't want to do that, then we're just going to see a really good football match where both teams are trying to do what they want to do. And, and, you know, we will make mistakes and we will be punished for them. And, and hopefully we do that to, to the other teams as they did. And I think of the last couple of matches you look at, um, when teams are making mistakes, we are, we are punishing them. And then we're also playing some good football in between. So I think that's, uh, that's also there. Uh, we have one more question from a patron, but we're going to give it uh, a second uh, and, and talk about some other on-the-pitch stuff. Um, Al Capone156 points out that we made it through 76 minutes before the pundits brought up that game. Um, and, and until Bertrand comes back, do you think that uh, Jack Stevens, another question from him, do you think that Jack Stevens will be our starting left back? Um, well... Jack Stevens, I thought he looked a bit awkward in the position um, at the weekend, but, you know, he'd done his duty uh, well enough. Um, as you sort of mentioned there, every time he held, the, he, he uh, you know, received the ball, he looked to pass it inside. He looked quite unnatural on his left foot, so I think it would be helpful if we had a naturally sided left uh, defender. Hopefully Bertrand isn't out for too long, and, it, and this international break will give him a chance to get back up to fitness. So, I don't know if it will see Jack Stevens at left back for an extended period. Um, hopefully, Jake Bokins will be back too. Um, and I think, but to give credit to Jack Stevens, he did a good enough job. Um, and I think he is probably going to be another uh, person this season where we want to point fingers at. And he has been a, a scapegoat um, in previous seasons. I think it's probably his chance again this season to take up that mantra. Uh, which is unfortunate for him because I think he's a great character in the dressing room and he, and he, and he keeps up the, uh, the, the, the energy, I guess, if you like. Um, I don't think he'd be our second string left back. Um, I think it's, it's more important that we get Ryan back onto uh, full fitness. Um, if I were just add to um, Al Capone's um, first comment, you know, 76 minutes, that's uh, that's probably one of the longest times we've, we've heard the commentators, yeah. um, you know, men mention that game. But I think, you know, I think it's, it's a milestone in the club's history. You know, I'm not going to mention the score because we all know it. And it's a, I, one thing I have to say about that is it's a remarkable turnaround. And I think we've kicked on uh, so dramatically that, you know, we, we're now seeing reports that Ralph has been linked with a Manchester United job. But a little over a year ago, we experienced probably our darkest um, night in the football club's history. Fast forward today, top in the Premier League table, at least albeit for a short period. Mm -hmm. It's the best start to a Premier League campaign, and we still had time to typically lose our first two. So um, credit to Ralph, credit to the team. We've all worked hard, got our head down. And the thing is, you know, the, the, Ralph relies on the whole team and style of play rather than individuals. Right, right. Uh, yeah, and if we go back to the very beginning of the season, uh, preseason, the Athletic ran that poll, how confident are you? Um, we were we were the most confident in our team. We were the most optimistic for how things were going. We lose two matches. That probably gets cut in half. And I think now we're all back up there going like, oh no no, we were we were totally believing in this the entire time. This is fine. Um, you did mention the links to bigger clubs and bigger in quotes. Uh, Mowgli underscore Young from Instagram says it is now is it now inevitable that the media will tout our manager and players to bigger clubs? And, and I guess how, how prevalent is that in what you're seeing and how much of that is, you know, it, I think it's as lazy as bringing up the nine nil every single time. Mm. I think that is, yeah. but it, it is also what gets people to click on, on links, which is what they're trying to do. 
Well, it, it, you know, it creates clicks. It, it's, it's clickbait at most at the end of the day. And um, I think the Daily Echo or one of the local papers I saw on the printed paper earlier today or earlier this weekend, the, the headline, Cloud Nine, Saints on top of the Premier League. So obviously referring back to that night in October. But I think, you know, uh, it is lazy punditry that uh, they will link Ralph Hasenhutl, the little old Southampton manager, to, you know, the bigger club, the top six. And that's all they're all about. They're always right about the top six clubs, you know. But I think one thing I take from Ralph's character is that he enjoys the challenge. He relishes it. You know, he, he, he managed to get RB Leipzig from sort of mid-table mediocrity um, almost to some sort of cannon fodder. Even the teams before him, Ingolstadt, are from the second division to the, to the first or the other, you know, few clubs. He, I think he relishes the challenge, and I think he's loving his time at Southampton. He's loved and adored by the 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 board, he's loved and adored by the fan base, you know. So I think we also awarded him with a, an extra four years in his contract. So whoever decides to do poach uh, Ralph, if you like, uh, they're going to have to pay an awful lot of money, probably more so than sort of Everton paid for Ronald Koeman a couple of years ago, and probably a bit more than what Pochettino was paid uh, to take us away from him. And I think Ralph will be here for at least another couple of seasons, um, and, and he'll enjoy the challenge. I think he'll get us uh, to where we, he wants us to be, um, and perhaps then he'll consider his options. I think you know he's into his fifties now, probably got another ten years or so left in management before he decides to retire. If he if he retires, so. I think we just got to enjoy it while it lasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, we do have a question that comes from Kevin McGee, one of the patrons of the show, about um, the shirts. I would say there are a few things that I've said on the show and in the newsletter that have gotten more um, feedback from from fans uh, in, over the time of doing this, which, is, which has been almost four years. And one of them was how strongly... Uh, the, my level of distaste, I guess, for the uh, the sports betting um, sponsor. Uh, Kevin McGee points out that this club seemed to be still selling the shirts with the LD Sports logo on them. Uh, do we know what's going on? And I will say that uh, they have actually put out something that if you buy one of these LD Sports uh, shirts, um, you got a chance to win, or you have a chance to win, a, a video call with Danny Ings and Che Adams. Um I mean, are you aware of this, and and what what do you think is is, is behind this? It, you know, obviously we don't have a, a partnership with them anymore. Um, that is gone. What I mean, they surely should didn't print this many of them that they still need to sell them, right? Like, or what or what is the the problem, or what is going on here? In, in your in your, in, I guess either you actually know the answer, or we're just gonna kind of wonder about it out loud. Well, from what I take from various reports, and I'm just looking at the website now, and uh, they are at reduced price, albeit by about eight, nine pounds. Um, but I think they're trying to get rid of them as much as they possibly can to try and, you know, um, exhaust their stock, if you like. But from what I understand, um, you know, you can enter this competition. That's great. Okay, you can get a video call from Jay Adams and Danny Ings. But I also understand that... Um, uh, you you can also I think the window might have passed or whatever it might have been, but you, you you're able to exchange it for a like for like new uh, shirt sort of with the sports bet um, uh, logo on it. Mm-hmm. But having said that, uh, the sports bet um, jerseys are only kind of replicas because they had to um, uh, source a third party 
So right. if you buy a sports bet jersey now, they don't have the Under Armour logo on them. Mm-hmm. So they've had to, I mean, the whole thing is a fiasco in itself. You know, a year doesn't pass without a shirt fiasco. Absolutely, absolutely. I point that out. Is we, we never seem to have things in the right or, in, you know, nailed down. Um, I didn't buy a shirt last year with the LD Sports logo on it. Um, I shout out to Jeremy Orr, who was over there uh, pre-pandemic uh, in, in the summer when the, the training shirts went on sale with, with no logo on them. I have one of those and I, and I, and I love it. Um, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm probably more likely to buy the LD Sports logo than I am to buy the Sportsbet IO. I won't, I won't buy it with the sports betting sponsor on it. Um, and, and as you said, the, the ones with Sportsbet IO don't have... The, the, they're not the official Under Armour shirts, which some people don't like anyway. So it doesn't doesn't matter. It's kind of a, a personal preference, but it just does seem like one more, uh, just 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 a mess, which is not it's not mm. super great. But um, we'll have to kind of keep an eye on it. Um, I mean, quite I, frankly, actually, the, the shirts that have the LD Sports logo printed, there will be a relic. There'll be a a fossil in a few mm. years. There'll be a you know a heritage sort of item, a, a memorabilia, you know, the sort of shirt that never was. I think we only really played with them in them one or two games at the tail end of last season. Right, right. Uh, I think honestly, my my favorite with the LD Sports logos on them is the is the away shirt. I think it looks mm. great. And then uh, the yellow goalkeeper shirt. I also I also thought was pretty nice. Those are those are my favorites. But not that that really matters. Um, although if my wife is still listening, Christmas is coming. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, they gave us a, a slight discount on them, you know, for, they knocked off a couple of pounds off the price, but, uh, I think shipping to the United States is 12 pounds, um, which I never really realized that, that that's a lot of money, but it takes, and it takes, uh, it takes a long, it takes a long time. You just gotta, if you ordered it now, maybe, maybe by Christmas. Um, mm. we do have one more question though. And this, this goes, uh, even further off the pitch We're now we're exiting the stadium at this point. Uh, and away from the fan shop, but um, this comes from Eddie Stapley Marsh on Facebook, uh, and he says, uh, "When is Freddie going to do his podcast again?" And and it's something I don't know if you want to talk about. I don't know if you want to address it. We can cut this whole thing out uh, and just say goodbye. But um, you know, uh, is the podcast coming back? Um, probably not. Um, to be honest, I've got too much on my plate now. We decided to knock it on the head pretty early at the start of the pandemic. I guess partly because of, you know, people's commitments. It just didn't feel authentic enough for me, you know, having to uh, sort of rope in guests every week. And that really sort of takes away from the whole authenticity of the ugly inside, which is, you know, historically been known as Nick and Clive and a few other gangs um, early on. And it, it took up far too much of my time. And, and you know, work has now sort of taken over quite a lot now. Uh, I'm also... Uh, sort of studying part-time for a postgraduate master's degree in post-production film and television. So a lot of my time will now be taken up by that to edit documentaries and dramas. So moving from one thing to another. So it's very unlikely that the podcast will return. Um, and we haven't really uploaded any videos or I haven't uploaded any videos to our YouTube channel since March, since the very start of lockdown. I mean, we did ask our sort of fans to, to send in their clips for their reactions at last season. And I thank all of those, all of the guys that did send in their reactions that kept us going for a little while. But frankly, it was on life support. Um, so uh, I, I thank those and I give credit to those that did send in their clips. Um, but uh, it probably won't be returning. And the fact is that we, we're not on the stadiums either. So that, that also is, is, is an effect of sort of our, our lack of content 
is that we're unable to sort of get out there, speak to fans in the street and record their thoughts and it'll probably be a little while until we can return to that normality too. Yeah. Well, and that was the, the big thing of what the Ugly Inside did. It was it captured the fans' thoughts and reactions right then. It wasn't, you know, this is... I. I am always a little bit afraid to speak out right after a match because I feel like I haven't processed the things and I don't want to come off like somebody uh, who, who is, you know, uh, maybe not seeing the, the wider picture. Um, but the ugly inside always did such a fantastic job of getting those, um, those reactions. And then you, I, this is credit to you, were also able to put that in perspective and keep the kind of the season and the entire match um, in perspective and, and bring that in. And, uh, it's, it's a lot of work. Uh, I've watched you do it. Um, you know, the, the, the day, the match day that I spent with you, how much time you spent, uh, doing all of those things. And at that point you had been doing it for a couple of years and were, had, had cut, had, had figured out shortcuts and everything else. Um, and it still took you, uh, you know, a, a good amount of your time. So I, uh, I, I understand that. And, and also knowing, um, pulling in guests, editing, recording, um, scheduling, all of that stuff. Uh, does take a ton of time, and I, I want to applaud you for everything that you that you did. Because I once again, I enjoyed the show. There are a lot of Saints podcasts out there, but I enjoyed your show. It was it was a staple uh, later in the week before the match, uh, going to work and stuff. But um, there's one dog at least. Um, I saw a wagon tail in the back of the did door. Did you? Right <laughs> hold on, hold on. So a little bit of editing there, but uh, thank you for everything that you've done, and and uh, hopefully that that. Uh, adequately addresses the, the question that we had. Um, and I just want to say thank you to you because even though you're not doing that, you're still willing to come do this. And that's a, a big pleasure for me. And hopefully um, at some point we'll be able to get over there. And uh, Well, we're still here. We're, I'm still posting a couple of things on, on our social pages. And I guess, you know, this season I've sort of introduced a little prediction league. So I am posting a couple of graphics up uh, a day before kickoff. For people just to comment their scores, and I update it every week. I've got myself a little leaderboard on my Excel spreadsheet. Uh, we update that every week. So, you know, at the very least, we're still sort of involving people on the social pages. Nick is still writing and reporting articles on the nucleinside.net website. So we're still there, mostly irreverent, uh, but partly irrelevant. Um, but I think one, one more thing to say to you as well, Matt, you know, 199 episodes, 200 next week. And I think... Particularly for you, you know, the, the, the podcast provides a, a bit of a lifeline, particularly for those overseas, you know. And I think your, your dedication, you know, doesn't go unnoticed. And I think, you know, Ray and um, Kevin mentioned it last week, but you should, you should also be proud of what you've achieved and you've delivered every single week, even throughout the crisis. Yeah, um, some, some of those episodes are better than others, but uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and this is, I mean, you talk about lifeline, this is my lifeline to, to the club. This is, uh, this is my excuse for it's not necessarily being obsessed with what's going on at the team. And, uh, there were times when, I, you know, you, you don't want to be obsessed. You just want to kind of disconnect and, um, and hopefully, you know, even when you, even when I did that, um, there were, there were issues that hopefully we were able to address, uh, adequately, but, uh, yeah, it's been a pleasure. And, and, you know, I think you were on episode seven or episode nine, uh, way at the beginning, there was no reason for you to, to, to even give me the time of day. And so I appreciate you doing that from kind of from day one. So, um, thank you. Uh, episode 200 next week, um, with Dan James and, uh, looking forward to that. And then, you know, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll see how the rest of it goes. It's, uh, 
it's almost four years of, of doing this show every week, which has been a lot of fun. So uh, new things, new things coming all the time, which is nice. So anyway, um, just so people don't forget, uh, the ugly inside links are all in the show notes. Uh, you're, you still have videos going up in terms of when the Saints FC podcast puts out episodes. Uh, those go up on the YouTube channel so people can still catch those there if they don't already subscribe. Um, and, and the Movember links are also down in the show notes so people can donate if, they're, if they choose. Uh, realize that uh, times are tough going in lockdown. That means uh, furloughs and things like that. But um, it is a, a chance to, to do that. And uh, I will make a donation to that uh, as, as always, I think. So uh, anyway, thank you very much for, for doing this. And uh, hopefully I'll talk to you before too long. No, not a problem, Matt. Always, you know, great to speak to you and always, you know, willing to give you a bit of time and that. Uh, keep up the good work. And no doubt we will speak again soon. And that does it for this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Freddie. Uh, I think I've said it before, but Freddie is the guy who took me under his wing when I first started doing this. Uh, he was quick to reach out. He was quick to kind of show me around London. Uh, he got me to West Ham. Basically is the only reason I know how to get anywhere using my Oyster card or anything. And so a uh, big shout out to him. And uh, it's always a pleasure to be able to talk to him here. I wish we could do it more often, but, you know, got to share the love and all that stuff. So anyway, special thanks to Freddie. You can follow The Ugly Inside. All the links that you will need are in the show notes uh, from fan forums to, to articles to, uh, you know, another podcast. The Saints FC podcast shows up uh, on their YouTube channel. So you can get all of that by clicking the links in the show notes. This show would not be possible without the partners that make it happen. If you would like to stay up to date with everything happening around the Southampton Football Club, you should follow the Southampton page. They are on Instagram at Southampton page one and on Twitter at Southampton page. And if you're more into the history and culture of the club, then make sure you give the Saints Archive a follow. There you can get in touch with a number of other fans and they won't bother you with all of the stats of today and things like that, but you'll instead be reminded some of the glory years, some of the lesser known years from the club's history. So check it out. Uh, links are all in the show notes for both of those. And I know they will appreciate you following along and supporting them uh, just as much as, as I would. If you are enjoying the show, please consider leaving a review. Next week's episode is episode 200. If you haven't left a review and you've been listening a while, I would very much appreciate that. Also, you could just share the show with a friend. That helps quite a bit as well. All music for this show comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games, and the end of show credits that you're listening to right now is Aim is True by Ponyton Bear. The artwork for the show is done by Matt Beeling of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram, so make sure you give him a follow, and make sure you check back in on Friday with the newsletter and next week for episode 200. Enjoy the international break. We will talk to you next week. And until then, we're together. March on.